0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks is
1: the choice. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top-button swag, baby.
0: It is always great to beat the Cubs.
1: And I'm a homer, so I always say they're going to. Dallas Lance, I got some beards that you should be afraid of.
0: Whatever everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm going to beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, Welcome in to a Friday night edition of the Sox on Tap game show. It's Johnny Nani here alongside NWI Steve discussing a soul-crushing loss in Cleveland. Where else? That place is a house of horrors, Steve. This sucks. Hey, uh, Johnny. I don't remember
1: selling my soul to watch this team clinch a division in Cleveland as the lasting memory that I have of the Indians baseball club. But apparently, in that drunken haze that night um, on that Thursday last September, apparently I did because we are born to suffer now
0: because of it. This episode is titled cleveland is our hell um as i mentioned it's a house of horrors just a litany of things that have gone wrong over the past few years there you can talk about early this season you can talk about a meltdown in 2020 at the end of that season obviously luckily we we're able to have that moment that you had talked about clinching the division there but tonight Was a culmination of it all, Steve. This one had everything. This one had the false hope early. This one had the downfall in the middle, the meltdown. And then this one also had the injury to add to the insult. And it feels really bad. I feel really defeated right now. I don't know about you. That's the only way that I can describe this.
1: I mean, would that be described as the 2022 White Sox hat trick? Yeah, right. Uh, You know, it just, we were talking about this before we hopped on here that feeling of perpetual fear that this thing is going to turn bad. It's just a question of when, not if,
0: and then it did. And then it just kept getting worse. Yeah. Uh, we we will get into breaking down some of this, um, but you know, we, we know you're as frustrated as we are here at Sox on tap. So, Go and subscribe on tap sports and on YouTube. Drop your comments in here. Yeah, we already got one. End of the season. My god, the offense is awful. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Go ahead, vent that stuff in the comments. Um, that's what we're here for on the Sox on tap post-game show. So, um, I guess, Steve, we gotta dive right into it. Let's just rip the goddamn band-aid off. And actually, the start of this game, not too bad. They they set the tone a little bit, and I was I will say, um, I know we're gonna get into some gloom stuff here, but I was a little bit encouraged, especially after that uh ass beating that they got handed, uh, to close out. But the Astro series. I, I was uh happy with the first inning performance and then obviously they you didn't know they still missed an opportunity there, but you go up 2-0 uh early in this thing and um for the time felt all right about this one.
1: Yeah you did. I mean they they shrugged off that terrible performance yesterday and jumped on Tristan McKenzie right out of the shoot there. Um you know what was it? four batters into the game, you're up one, nothing already, um, you know, and five, five batters in you're up you're up two to nothing. And you're thinking, Hey, okay, we, we got a shot here. And they had an opportunity to add on more. Um, and then yep. unfortunately kind of what we would see later on in the game um, as, as a harbinger of things to come here, they had, you know, a chance to tack on, additional runs there in that first inning, and really put McKenzie on the ropes. They weren't able to do it. And that turned out to be a very pivotal situation in this game here. But after that first inning here, you know, you get, you get those two runs, you're feeling good. And Lance Lynn went out there in the bottom half of the inning and was Utilizing the high fastball, particularly the first uh time through the order here, and doing it with great effect against this Cleveland lineup, a team that does not strike out particularly often. He was getting a lot of swings and misses elevated at the very top of level of the strike. So, so you're thinking, hey, okay, this is we're, we're we're cooking here. We got a little something tonight.
0: Right. Yeah. You talk about Lance Lynn there. And I guess that's the other positive here before we go into a sea of uh negativity and doom and gloom. Um, but yeah, Lance Lynn gave you a chance tonight, right? He goes five and two thirds. Uh he gives up Five hits, only one run. It came on a solo shot by Jose Ramirez. And while uh, he went, walling walks one, uh, strikes out six. Like you'd mentioned, a lot of those coming on elevated fastballs. So he he, he battled the day. He, he, gave, he gave the White Sox a chance. And um, I would say it, when he came out of the game, it was time to do it. So that, that was a decent decision before a uh, list of dumbfuckery ones that we'll get to down the road here. But when you're talking about that in terms of positives there, uh, it was Lance Lynn uh, giving you a shot uh, tonight. And, you know, I love to see that. I'm a big supporter of Lancelin. Uh, we are in the fear of the beard club here. So, uh, unfortunately they weren't able to back him up, Steve. And let's talk about that in that first inning. As Grandal has, uh, what two runners on He grounds into a double play to end the threat one out there. Um, so th- that one really stings. However, you, you think it's still early and there's other opportunities. They would have another opportunity, Steve, a prime one in the fifth inning and just breaking the sequence down. Harrison leads off with the double and then he gets a third uh, on a wild pitch and then what do the White Sox do? They go and turn around, strike out three times in a row. Granted, Tristan McKenzie was on. He did turn it on after that first inning. But when you have that opportunity, runner on third, nobody out, how the fuck do you not score? And particularly knowing that after Sebi Zavala, you had the
1: top of your order up. So it wasn't as if you know you did that, then you have seven, eight, nine coming up to follow um guys that you would anticipate having a little. Bit of difficulty putting the bat on the ball putting the ball in play to try to get that run in you've got aj Pollock, you've got andrew vaughn coming up right there to not score a run in the in that particular inning i starred that as i was taking my notes watching the games and i'm thinking to myself i hope and pray that this is not the thing that we look back on later tonight when we're talking as the turning point in this game. And sure enough, it was because almost immediately, you know, granted, you know, Cleveland didn't get on the board until the sixth inning there, but
0: you know, you, you just, you just yeah. fucking knew you just yeah. knew. Yeah. yeah you. Dude, and Steve, I kind of laugh because you talk about that whole sequence that you just did when you're talking about writing that down and starring that. I do the same thing. when I take notes to this game and I wrote, will b- come back to bite. And that's, I usually just leave it kind of like open-ended, like, will it come back to bite? Or will it, you know, they, they were able to overcome it. And sure enough, came back to bite them because they needed more uh, in, in this game. So um, yeah, break it up a with a little humor here because it, it's just funny that uh, we, we need to coordinate that. But that's the same shit that we were doing. Um, and it just tells you about uh, what the White Sox do uh, to our action. For mental health, to all of that here.
1: Well, and it's it's funny because you know as I'm take you know I normally will take notes, um, you know when I know that I'm going to be hopping on with you here or Anthony. Um, and I typically there's one or two sequences in a game that you can really look at and define as turning points, Mm -hmm. typically, whether it's, you know, offensively, if you have a chance to either score a run or add on additional runs and you don't take advantage, or if you do to really bust a game open, that's big. Or conversely, on the the defensive side of it, if you are able to get out of a big jam when you have an opportunity, you know, when you have a situation coming up. So not being opportunistic, right? As, as yeah, our buddy Sal likes uh, to say here.
0: It's something that we said on the show since 2019, Steve, and uh, it holds true tonight because not opportunistic in the first and then in the uh, fifth again. And we're talking about White Sox chances to score. All right, uh, before we, we we do have another we're gonna look through the comments here. We appreciate everyone dropping them in. Uh, Jose asked, what happened? Eloy, we'll get that into the downfall here. He did leave early with an injury, um, but we'll get some more specs on that in, in a minute here. Let's talk about this uh, where all the wheels fell off. Steve uh, and you get the bottom of the six. I know there was the Jose Ramirez um, home solo shot, um, a bad place pitch by Lynn, but if that's the only run he gives up on the night, that's not a goddamn bad outing by any means in my book. Cause Jose Ramirez is a superstar. He's an all-star. We know it. Um, he's one of the best hitters in the game. And guess what? He beat him. Lance made a bad pitch. Uh, one of very few really bad pitches that he made tonight, though. Um, so uh, th- that was where the Cleveland scoring started. That made it 2-1 in the bottom of the sixth. And then in the seventh, this is where wheels fall off, um, Steve. And you get Stephen Guan with a RBI triple that ties the game. Uh, Rosario comes up single. It uh, may- gives Cleveland the lead, 3-2, one they wouldn't relinquish. But then uh, White Sox go to the bullpen and bring in uh, for Rinaldo Lopez. They brought in Jake Diekman, and he not able to uh, get, you know um, – not able to get out, sir. Uh, Jimenez uh, brings home two uh, with an RBI single. And in between there, though, Steve, you talk about other turning points. Well, I wonder what would have happened if Deekman was able to get a strikeout on the pitch that very well should have been a strike on the corner to Josh Naylor.
1: Yeah, that was, that was pretty painful to see right there because that was a strike. You know, the one thing that I was kind of observing as I was watching this happen Ronaldo Lopez, a guy that has just been nails all season, just really didn't have it tonight. You know, he starts out, he gets the the strikeout of, of Nolan Jones. The the real thing that bothered me was then seeing him give up that double to Tyler Manley, a very light hitting backup catcher. Um, that was kind of troubling there to say the least. You know, then he gets Miles Straw and he's two and two on Stephen Kwan. So he's he's one pitch away from getting yeah, there's uh,
0: another one because that pitch was inside. That was not yeah. off the plate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, wasn't wasn't a terrible pitch by by any means, but it's just like it's in Cleveland, so you know right. he's going to find a way to put bat to ball and it's going to find a hole in there because that's just what happens there, but we didn't see the normal lights out crisp electric stuff from Ronaldo Lopez that we have seen for almost the
0: entirety of the season and he unfortunately picked a really bad moment to have that happen. Right. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks seeing that because, you know, you don't want to go and pile on the guy. Sure. Tough outing for him. But as you mentioned, just nails up until this point, really owning that bullpen role. There was a lot made about um, what he's been able to do in, in, transitioning that. And that's not something that's easy. It's hard to give that up as when you were a starter coming up and then go into that role. So uh, like you said, tough timing for it, but they were in Cleveland. So what the hell else did we expect here uh, as white Sox fans, that'd be the damage there uh, in this one, but don't uh, Steve, we, we've got to, you know uh in between all, all of that we, we've got some managerial decisions that leave you scratching your head once again excuse me ripping your hair out once again uh and the first being uh dude one two intentional walk again is like is he trying to troll us or what oh I think he he absolutely is the
1: the worst part about it though is him and his defenders are going to use that as justification to say
0: see it was the right move. It's not the right move. No, it's it's when you when you have two straight. It'd be what if you're down two? Oh, okay. That's that is what it is. And then you know whatever. But you you have it was a one-two count once again. The thing that got national attention. I'm sure this is going to blow up once again. Maybe not as much because obviously in in the previous one it really really backfired in terms of the um, uh, you know home run that was hit back in early June. Uh, But with this one, I know, like you said, they're able to get out of it, but it's just the decision-making process of that, that just, like I said, leaves you ripping your hair out, not scratching your head,
1: ripping your hair out. You know, and there was another decision earlier on in the inning, the decision to, you know, you had Jake Diekman warming up, getting loose um, for the spot when Stephen Kwan came up. I did see a lot of kind of back and forth on Twitter.com about this. Uh, One of the things that I actually went back and looked after the fact was if you look from an OPS standpoint, you know, this year, Stephen Kwan, 654 against left handed pitchers, 801 against righties. So it's really kind of a coin flip because, again, Ronaldo Lopez has been outstanding this year and he has really had very little variance dependent upon handedness this season. Um, I wasn't overly upset about the idea of leaving Ronaldo Lopez in to pitch to Stephen Kwan in that particular spot, just because of how good he's been this year. But I know I did see some discourse on, on the old uh, Twitter timeline regarding that. So it is one that you can kind of look back on a little bit and say, okay, should he have gone to Deakman in that spot? Now Deakman himself had, had troubles navigating the strike zone today. So it's almost kind of a a screwed on one. Like we
0: talked about too. Yeah, So that, you know, yeah. But then again, he put himself in that spot by not being yeah. able to navigate the strike zone. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it all just kind of uh, builds up and adds together. All right, one last thing on decision-making here. You had the pinch hit uh, in, in the top of the eighth. I know you're already down three here. And then you go Gavin Sheets, and this also gives up your DH because you're pinch hitting for Sebby Zavala, who is behind the plate tonight. Um, interesting move there, I will say. One thing that I noticed from earlier in the game was that Sebi Zavala looked absolutely fucking clueless at the dish. So there is at least one strike in my category where I would say I'm glad that I didn't see him hit, but at the same time, the ramifications of it are more of what you're looking at here in terms of the Decision making, good uh, questioning here.
1: Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. I, I think particularly if that had only been a one run game and if the Sox were able to kind of muster any type of offensive threat after that, um, to the point where if the pitcher spot would have come up, then it would have just all hell would have broken loose. Right. If Jimmy Lambert are,
0: was due up like second, inning, right. right. If they would have gotten there. So,
1: right. Uh, so, all, all hell would have bro- broken loose in that particular spot. Um, you can kind of even. Take it a step further and say, should Gavin Sheets have been, you know, DHing tonight right. instead of Yasmani Grandal anyway? But you know, that's a whole different discussion. Yeah, I, 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 think, we, that.
0: I think we can go down just a, 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 a little quick. Let's just address it here tonight, uh, Steve, because obviously we talked about the first inning wasted opportunity, and that was Yaz uh, grounding in the double play. And you had said a comment that I agree with, even as I've been a Yaz fan in the past, because I do like the potential that he provided. And what we, I was hoping we would see, I'd call him an X factor for the second half, hoping he would have a resurgence like he did at the second half of last season. However, that has not been the case. It, it has continued the struggles, and you said he is unplayable. That's your comments, and yeah. I would have to agree with you right now. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, um, I haven't
1: looked at exactly the numbers here, particularly in the second half since the since the All Star break, but it's just it's been terrible. Um, plain, plain and simple. The numbers as a whole on the season, he's got a sub six hundred OPS. I mean, he's got a slugging percentage in the two fifties. Um, that's just not great, Bob. The fact of the matter is. There's 42 games left here at this point. It's not about Yasmani Grendahl's feelings anymore. It's not about his average annual value on his contract. You know, <laughs> you're four back in the loss column here. It, it might be too late now at this point here. Um, this was a spot, you know, and, and the weird thing about it too was. You know, Gavin Sheets, have, didn't he have like three three or four he hits, had four, hits. He had he had four hits, hits yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. So you're in this spot where then you're just you're gonna go back to having he faced a righty,
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: so yeah. you have both of your catchers in the starting lineup tonight. It's just one of those things that it just doesn't make sense to me at this point. Um, and like you, I've been a big Yasmani Grandal supporter because of what he had done with this team in 2020 in the abbreviated season and in 2021 particularly when he came back last year he had over 900 ops in a white Sox uniform coming into this season
0: one of the top five run producers after coming back exactly regular season baseball yeah exactly
1: but he's not he's not that guy you can just see it his legs are not there and pitchers are not afraid of him i've talked about this maybe maybe a week or so ago the walks aren't there and that that famed plate discipline is not a strength at this point because pitchers know that they can just go right at him with no fear of repercussion.
0: Yeah, right. And uh, I'll just, as we wrap this up, one thing that you had suggested, you had said playing uh, Andrew Vaughn at first, letting Jose Abreu DH, because you did see Jose, obviously, of course, he was going to gut it out, but you did see him uh, grab for the leg a little bit uh, after running a ball out uh, on that kind of weak single that he had early on uh, first inning, I believe that was. So um, that, that that's a strategy that, you know, I would probably be in support of here uh, as we're looking at that. Well, let's get to, I mentioned that name there, Andrew Vaughn. Um, and now I guess we're in the injury portion of this, because Andrew Vaughn, scary moment, Steve. Uh, he has one that comes high up and in, hits off his shoulder and then goes and hits his face, looks like he had a bloody lip. Um, however, as I'm looking at some reports here as they're filing through, Andrew Vaughn has some bruising on his upper lip, says he feels lucky the ball hit his arm first, uh, feels he can play tomorrow. Uh, might not look too good, but I'll be out there is what he said. So that is positive news on that front. What a fucking scary moment though, Steve. I've gotten hit in the face before and it's not fun.
1: I, I fortunately have not. I um... So it it is definitely a good thing that the ball did make initial impact off of the shoulder. And then obviously did get him in the face on the, on the ricochet. Um, you know, he's he's probably going to need a little bit of dental work when he gets back to Chicago, um, at some point next weekend here. But the fact that it didn't hit him flush obviously is a good, good sign for Andrew Vaughn in particular there. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to have some, uh, some bruising there in the morning and, um, but you know they dodged a bullet in that sense that it didn't hit
0: him flush. Oh right, especially with what happened after. And just talking about how bad it could have been. When I got hit, I broke an orbital bone. Yeah. Orbital bone. So you know that that sidelined me for like three weeks. So there, there you go. Um, Next injury, Eloy Jimenez. Uh, he takes a big hack uh, on a pitch. First pitch he sees in the eighth inning, Steve, uh, immediately goes and grabs. Looks like he was grabbing, what, right leg. Uh, that's what it looked like to me as he was trying to stretch it out. Trainers came out, took him out of the game immediately there. Um, and Adam Engel came in to pinch or excuse me, just take over the at-bat at that point. Um, but this one is concerning, especially considering Eloy Jimenez has had leg issues already this season.
1: Yeah, I I th- I saw from uh, James Feagan a- after the game that apparently um, during the postgame presser, uh, TLR said that it was a knee contusion, that he he sounded kind of like a coin flip, whether or not he's going to be available tomorrow. Right. So that's not ideal, especially knowing that you have a dead roster spot for Luis Robert at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been been a week since he has stepped on the field right so, and, and you're oh. just burning a spot there
0: so you're you're running out of bodies at this point yeah so and uh, as as you mentioned that i guess the status officially from TLR is uh day to day for Eloy Menes twisted his knee on the swing um steve i tweeted something earlier in the game and this was more relating to his front foot but the way that he, he like points it like back at himself like towards like the backstop I, like, feel like I get calf-like strains just, like, watching him. But, obviously, then he he was trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. He took a big hack through on this first one. So then he spins his, you know, as he's, like, coming through. He, like, someone replied to me and said he corkscrews himself. And that makes sense. And it's, like, I understand it. And it looks great when he hits the ball out of the ballpark or when he drives doubles to the gap. But it doesn't seem too sustainable to me. And I know you can't, like, really change that. It's probably, like, an off-season thing but for a guy that's been so injury prone it just worries me i don't know about you you know you know it's interesting that you bring that up that was something
1: i noticed myself i would say about a week ago that just the way that he's turning in that front left foot seems a lot more exaggerated than it was um in the first half of the, of the season in particular and in years past so that's something that it caught my eye as well and it's just it,
0: It seems like such an odd way to position yourself from a hitting standpoint. it feels like you do that enough and something's eventually going to give. And it's interesting that now the injury's on the other knee, right? It's on his back knee, uh, spinning through that. So I guess that was more a product of like swinging through really uh, hard on that one. But, Jose, there you go. Um, you commented and said, what happened Eloy? That is the update on him. So, um, yeah, I guess the last one here, as we're on the injury front, might as well, a guy that you mentioned in passing there was Luis Robert. Took batting practice before, but um, not. Uh, able to kind of fully, fully uh, go through it on the swings. That's kind of been the issue with him. I know he pinch ran on Wednesday night, but Steve, this is annoying because I would have rather just not have him pinch ran on Wednesday night and then just get a fucking body up here and put him on the injured list. Like, what's so hard about that? I don't understand.
1: I I don't get it either. The thing that is. More annoying for me is the lying that goes on from Tony LaRusso as it relates to injuries. Uh basically, you know, this whole thing started out as all oh, it's just day to day. Oh, we think he's getting close. And then you have the pinch running um stint out there. So you're thinking, okay, you know, he should be back anytime now. And then here we are, you know, two days later, and he's still nowhere to be found. Yeah. So it's just like, what is it really? Why is it right. so hard to be upfront and honest? about the status of the player instead of bullshitting
0: yeah Right. Yeah. There's that. And then I, you know, uh, I'm not in there. Like I've said a million times, here, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in the clubhouse in the trainer's room wherever it may be. Um, But when, when we're thinking about that, I wonder like what like the training staff's like kind of communication is on that, because if they think that it's not going to be there, and what he needs to do is to be able to swing, right. that Cause it was a jammed hand uh, kind of, you know, got his hand into the base it was last Friday night against uh, the Detroit Tigers. But if you go and see that and realize that it's like bruised or like whatever, Shouldn't you just be able to, as training staff, not your job to identify that kind of shit and then put it, like give a timeline on it realistically. Um, I, I know you want to like avoid because you have to do the 10 days um, when possible. But when you go and see this, you're already almost there. You're just a couple games off. And it's like, if he doesn't play the rest of this weekend, if he doesn't start, because from what I heard today, that doesn't sound encouraging for tomorrow for a game that's mid afternoon. It doesn't sound encouraging for Sunday, which is a Sunday morning game probably probably would have played out anyway. What would have been an I Elston. So that's what gets me. So I I would put it on both. Yes. The training staff for the identification and, you know, uh, projection of the length of the issue. And then on, like you'd said, the communication of it from TLR standpoint.
1: Yeah. And, you know, to your point there, we're, we're getting to the juncture now where it's, you've basically burned a roster spot for a week here and if he doesn't play tomorrow if he doesn't play sunday you will have gone in and- the, the 10 days Just with a dead roster spot.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I know there's not extremely sexy options there, but if you really wanted to bat, you could go a Jake Berger route. You could go a, uh, you know, if you really, really needed an outfielder, we've seen Adam Hazley up here. I know that's not a name that we really like to see. Whatever. However, like you said, though, it's a guy that is actually able to get out there on the field and do all of the required tasks, right? Um, So that's just where we're at on the injury front here. So uh, a, a night from hell in Cleveland. Cleveland is our hell. This is just brutal. And now you go and look at the the picture of this thing. I haven't really checked around the league, but can you give us an update on what else is going on around the AL central? Cause I saw uh, you had saying that we're going to be about four back here. I entered the game two and a half, right? So not great.
1: Well, there were two and a half coming in to, uh, to the evening here um, three back in the loss column, but now it's three and a half with four games back in the loss column and the other thing that people need to realize here at this point is this win right here tonight, this was Cleveland's ninth win of the season against the Sox. They win one more. They take the season series that basically gives them another game in hand, you know, when it comes to right. a, a divisional tiebreaker here at this point. Yeah. Um, and then as we look, you know, across the rest of the central here, the twins are up two to one in the top of the ninth on the Rangers, the Rangers have runners on first and second with one out. So they've got an opportunity to, um, you know, And then naturally now Brad Miller hits into a double play to end the game. So the twins win. So they lose ground on both teams.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Lovely. Glad glad we got that live update here. Just real encouraging here. The the shit show that is the socks on tap post game show here on this Friday evening. Uh, Cleveland is our hell. This AL central right now is our hell. Injuries are our hell. Everything sucks right now. We're dying, but Steve, they'll be back at it tomorrow night. And there's one saving grace. It's Mr. John Cueto taking the mound Saturday night. We don't deserve him. Like you said, <laughs> the, not the hero we deserve, but the hero we need. John Cueto has
1: has gone out there and he has done the job almost every time he has taken the ball this year. He has point blank said that, you know, he's got the stones and um, he's going to go out there and he's going to give everything he has. He's going to put this team in a position to win a baseball game. He's going to have his work cut out for him tomorrow because he's going to be opposed by Shane Bieber. I know a lot of people are going to talk about the fact that the Sox – put it on Bieber the last time they saw him at the corner of 35th and shields uh, two or three weeks ago. Uh, but the fact of the matter is the likelihood of doing that two starts in a row against well, a pitcher of Bieber's caliber, one who has dominated the Sox pretty frequently across his career. That's not the most encouraging sign.
0: Right. And I'm going to go back to, okay, they talked about the last time at home. Great. That's fine. Wonderful. But we're not on the South side of Chicago. We're in Cleveland, which is our hell. As we outlined earlier in the show, and guess what he did last time? Just absolutely shoved a complete game down our throats, and we had absolutely no chance at all. So that's where I stand on it, and I don't feel too good. Even though you know Johnny Cueto is going to go out there and he's going to give it his best, I would imagine he's going to give you seven to eight, really strong, probably only two, three runs allowed, probably yeah, scatter, like- probably scatter close to ten hits. Within the he'll
1: go up a, t- a two run homer to, to Jose Ramirez, yeah, because right. just because, yeah, and um, they're gonna have to find a way to scratch and claw you know, three three runs right somehow and, against and this you, Indian's pitching staff,
0: right? And you go and look at not even technically the ace then of the staff, I know he's been really solid this year overall, but the White Sox struck out 14 times against Tristan McKenzie, um, tonight, and obviously weren't able to generate much against the bullpen either, so um, it's it, it's a daunting task, uh, that lies ahead. I'm gonna get. Be absolutely slosh for the game, Steve. That's the only way I'm going to be able to make it through it.
1: Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm uh, I'm going to have me a day tomorrow. So, you know what? Whatever happens, I, happens.
0: <laughs> I encourage all listeners of Sox on Tap to do just what Steve and I are going to do. Go, go and have yourselves a day. Have yourselves a Saturday. Um, and make sure if the White Sox bring you more pain, you're numb to it. If they somehow pull it out, be in an elevated mood to celebrate it. Yeah. That's where I would leave you my advice four socks on tap listeners just Be don't appreciate. pull a Marcelo zuno yeah <laughs> right, only, right 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 yeah yeah that, that, that's a good point Safety first um on that front but have yourself a good time um and enjoy because you'll need it uh, i think you'll need the libations to get through it um doesn't favor white socks when i go and i think about shane bieber pitching in cleveland against them and what white Sox uh have done track record wise at cleveland especially this year so um That'll about do it for this Socks on Tap post-game show, Steve. Uh, it was a tough one, but uh, I will say I do feel a little bit better after venting that out with you. We hope all of our listeners do as well uh, by doing so through the comment section. You can go and join them by subscribing to On Tap Sportsnet on YouTube. Jump in uh, that comment section whenever we go live, and we'll feature them on this show. OnTapSportsnet.com is the place to go for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on social media at tap and at sportsnet. Steve, give me the final thought, and then let's get out of here. I hate
1: Cleveland. <laughs> They're the bane of my existence. If I ever become president, I am expelling the state of Borough, Ohio, from the union. Cleveland,
0: you suck. I'll always hate you. Thank you. <sighs> The, the, yes. The, the, very well said. Very, very diplomatic of you. I, I, I like that. Very stern uh, in, in your policies there. So you, you got my vote. All right. Um, mine is hit the goddamn ball out of the ballpark, please. It, it's been way too long. I know Moncada hit a home run, but it was a garbage time on uh, Thursday afternoon. My God, for the love of God, so much of this can be alleviated. You can alleviate situations in which you might not pick up the extra run in an inning or whatever it may be. Can you, you can, imagine if Yaz can, would have found yeah. a way to elevate the baseball in that first inning
1: and yeah. then all of a sudden you're a five to nothing.
0: Right. That, that's just, that's just where I go. And I know we've been pleading for this all year, but I I'm just going to keep beating the dead horse because that's what, that's really what they need to do. We saw, we, we talked about when they did that at Cleveland, guess what? The last time they did that with regularity, they won a division title there. So that's all I've got. I remember it. I yeah, was there. You were there. You, you were there. My you, soul you, might
1: still be there.
0: Yeah, it probably is roaming around somewhere in Progressive Field. So if you're at Progressive Field, look for the ghost of NWSD uh, roaming around on the concourse there, uh, probably at the beer stand. So I'll do it for this edition of Socks on Tap. Hope we were able to give you a good venting session. You know, let it let it all out. That's what we're here to do. Until next time, White Sox forever. White Sox for life.